This episode is supported by Active Skin Repair. Active Skin Repair is a skin health company helping people heal with natural, non-toxic, medical-grade ingredients. I just randomly... Vinny was having a toe skin irritation issue and he ended up having this like skin that was really irritating him and it was getting kind of like icky and you know like when kids start to get like little scabs and scratches and then they want to pick at it and it was getting worse and so active skin repair showed up on my doorstep as a result of the sponsorship and I got to put it to use immediately and I got the ointment formula or the like ointment formulation and then also the spray and the spray was perfect so Vinny does not like ointmenty creamy lotiony things on his body but I was able to get out the spray literally took it out of the packaging the day it arrived put it on his toe before he went to bed and the next morning he was like mom my toe's all better. It was literally like this super amazing cure that helped his toes so quickly. So you can use active skin repair on a wide range of skin issues, including cuts, scrapes, burns, sunburns, rashes, other types of skin damage. It's totally safe, non-toxic, suitable on all types of skin, even parts of the body where you might have rosacea or eczema or have acne prone skin. This is also safe for the youngest members of your family up to the oldest. So now you have one simple solution for your family's skin health needs. With over 500 thousand happy customers and thousands of five-star reviews and super safe and clean ingredients active skin repair is something that you want to have on hand for your family so to get your own active skin repair go to activeskinrepair.com to learn more about active skin repair and get 20 percent off your order when you use the code shameless that's activeskinrepair.com use the code shameless for 20 percent off your order activeskinrepair.com code shameless This is the Shameless Mom Academy, episode 675 with Dr. Lynetta Willis. Show notes for this episode, including any links mentioned in the episode, can be found by going to shamelessmom.com and clicking on episode 675. Welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm your host, Sarah Dean. I'm here to give you and other passionate, driven, unapologetic moms tools, resources, and a little bit of humor to help you lead more positive, powerful, and purposeful lives every damn day. One of the best things about the Shameless Mom Academy is our community. So be sure to join us in our free private Facebook group to connect with other shameless moms just like you. You can find us over at shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook. All right, let's dive into today's episode. Dr. Lynetta Willis is a psychologist, family empowerment coach, speaker, and award-winning author who helps frustrated families break free from stable misery and unhelpful parenting and partnership patterns so they can create more harmony at home. Over 20 years of journeying with countless clients led her to design the research-supported elemental living model and her PATHS relationship framework. These powerful tools help parents and partners improve communication, minimize overreactions, and transform intergenerational trauma. Her programs have been supported by parents across the globe in South Africa, Israel, New Zealand, and Australia. Dr. Willis's multi-award winning book, My Forgotten Self, A Story About a Girl, A Powerful Encounter, and a Universal Message, received high acclaim from individuals like Dr. Shafali Sabari, author of The Conscious Parent and Oprah's Parenting Expert. Dr. Willis lives in Georgia with her husband and her two children. I met Lynetta online through a mastermind we're in together, and we were online friends for quite a while before we got to meet in person. And I knew immediately meeting her online that I wanted to be in-person friends with her too, because she has the most radiant energy from across a Zoom screen. And now that I've met her in person, I can tell you she has the same radiant energy in person. Oh my goodness, she is such an incredible human, and now I am so lucky that I get to also call her my friend, and I'm really, really excited to share this conversation with you. So listen in to hear Dr. Lynetta share how she was raised within the framework of the four horsemen, pain, blame, shame, and avoidance, how she learned to navigate and negotiate the symptoms of her intergenerational dramas and traumas in order to heal, The difference between healing your mind through learning versus healing your body by working through trauma, what intergenerational dramas are and how they impact our lives across generations, the difference between stressors and triggers in parenting and how to handle them differently, her five-part paths framework to parenting in a more productive way, 
And my favorite part, what stable misery is, how we unintentionally spend way too much time here, and how to get out of your stable misery. Oh my goodness, this conversation was so fun, even though we talk about things that one wouldn't necessarily deem fun, but Dr. Lanetta has the fun energy. This conversation was so much fun, and I know you're going to get a ton of value out of it learn a lot, and you're also going to be really motivated to keep going. So make sure that you listen to the different resources that we share, and then definitely check out the show notes. In the show notes, we have a link to a free workshop coming up with Dr. Lynetta. We have a link to her free quiz that helps you identify your parenting trigger score and all sorts of other goodies. So pop over to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode 675 with Dr. Lynetta Willis to get all of those links. And with all that said, please help me in joining Dr. Lynetta Willis to the Shameless Mom Academy. Dr. Lynetta, <laughs> welcome to the Shameless Mom Academy. I'm so excited to have you here. Thank you. I am so excited to be here. I've been waiting for this. <laughs> I know. So I have to give people the background context. So I know Dr. Lynetta from a mastermind group that we're both in. We have the same speaking coach and we get to see each other on Zoom. We've never met in person, although we've been in this group now for quite a while, but we're going to meet in person in just a few weeks. And we're very excited about it. We just con- <laughs> we just confirmed that we're equally excited about it. So it won't be awkward. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Sarah's like, oh, I'm so glad you're excited to see me. <laughs> <laughs> so glad. <laughs> oh my goodness. All right. So aside from the excitement of meeting each other soon, can you tell folks a little bit about the dynamics of your personal and professional life beyond your bio and what you're excited about besides meeting Sarah Dean very soon? Uh, Oh my gosh. I got to like sit with that for a minute, allow that to fade because it is just so uh, right now. Um, (laughs) What am I excited about? You know, I'm excited about being able to travel more get to spend more time with my kids. We just got back from Arizona where we were in Phoenix and Sedona and the Grand Canyon. And we visited uh, Antelope Canyon with that pretty reddish. (gasps) Oh, that is so like on the top of my list. You should, how'd the kids do? They did great. It was this 11 hour tour. And And when I told them, they were like, we're not doing that. And then I talked to a few friends that have been there and they were like, mom veto it. You're do it. Mom veto it. It's going to be amazing. And it was, it was absolutely amazing. They, it was one of their favorite parts. Oh my gosh. How, remind me, how old are your kids? Nine and 13. Okay. Yeah. So Vinny's nine. Okay. So Vinny could do Antelope Canyon. Oh yeah. 100%. Okay. I mean, it is amazing. We have picture. I mean, I would do it again, even though it was 11 hours. <laughs> Cause and it's it like, hiking. So are you get. hiking around that during that time? Not the whole time. Okay. So you end up going in, you, 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 it takes, so we were in, we left from Sedona and it's like a three hour trip to okay. get there. So okay. that's a lot of it. And then you're hiking. When you get there, you hike down. We stopped at a couple of other places, but Antelope Canyon was like, ah. and you literally climb down this. I could not climb down forward. There's stairs quote unquote, oh. but it's like a ladder. Oh, so I would like be terrified. A, I don't I was like, like I yeah, I'm already right nervous, forward. but I still want to do it. <laughs> yes. Yes. Do it. Just turn around and face the wall. Don't okay. Just <laughs> okay. walk down it like a ladder. And it is absolutely 100% worth it. So I am, and we're going to go to New York in a little bit and take the kids to Broadway show, oh, you know, so we have these so beautiful things planned and I'm so excited about them. And the other thing I'm excited about. So I have my group program trigger to transform. And I'm, this is the third iteration that I'm doing. And this time I'm extending it. So it was six weeks and it was 12 weeks. Now it's a year. So people get a year to really dive into the content, rewire their brain, make all this stuff a habit. And I just got off a group call and every time I do, it just feeds my soul. I'm just, I'm like, this is the right choice for this program. So I'm excited about that too. It's just, (sighs) Tell people a little bit about the program because this will help kind of lead us right into the work that you do. Yes, yes. So it's Triggered to Transformed. It is a parent coaching group program for parents who want to raise their kids differently from how they were raised, but really struggle to get through the patterns and the triggers and the stressors that can sometimes lead us off road mm-hmm. <laughs> into what I call the rough road and lead us to feel shame and guilt and frustration. And in this program, the way I've structured it, it really does help you to get really clear on what are these patterns 
that are throwing you off on the rough road? How do you restructure them? How do we rewire our brains and the things that are literally deep wired, right, within us that lead us to react more than we respond? And then also, how do I get the program? The thing I love, I love many things about it, but the biggest thing that I really love about it is the way that I've structured the modules of the program. You do, you really do create you know, people say kids don't come with a manual. And I'm like, that's because you haven't created it yet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> you have to create the manual. So the way that I've structured it really allows parents to create a manual for themselves that helps them to figure out what works for me and what works for my child and what works for us together. Right? So you really are able to do that as opposed to me just telling you, take five deep breaths, go on a mm-hmm. walk. You know, do right. blah, blah, blah. Like that doesn't work for everybody. So yeah. it really is designed to help families create what they need, the structure and the support that they need to really shift how they're showing up with their kids in a meaningful way. I love it. Oh my gosh. I want to go backwards now. Yes. And can you tell us how your childhood and young adult experiences led you into the work that you do now? Yeah, into course. the work of becoming a doctor. Yeah. <laughs> Yes. Funny story. No, it's not really. So the way I was raised, as I'm sure there are some listeners that can understand this, I was raised by what I call the four horsemen mindset, which is- Tell us about this. Yes. Pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. Those are the four Mm. horsemen that are often used to keep kids in line, right? And talking about legacy and intergenerational stuff, that was how my parents, right? My mom was raised and how my grandma was raised, right? Like that was the belief system that was used. Like, this is what you do to keep kids in line. You use spankings, you use shame, you, you know, what happens in this house stays in this house. You avoid tough things. All of these things were used to really keep us straight. And I have to say, that I was raised by some extremely powerful, strong women. And I say that because sometimes when we start going into this area, there can be a fear of reverse shaming our family, right? Mm -hmm. Like if I start talking about things like this, then I'm not being a good daughter, son, whatever, you know? Mm -hmm. And for me, the way that I look at it is, by talking about it and by shining a light on it, I think what we're actually doing, in addition to being extremely courageous, we are deciding we're choosing which aspects of that we want to pass on and which aspects of that we want to transform. And in so doing, I think we're just honoring, we're honoring those who came before us, you know, love that. I also love the language of trans, like what we want to pass on and what we want to transform versus what we want to pass on and what we want to like reject or yeah. you said reverse shame. Like it just puts it in a really a much more like neutral to positive framework versus yes negative and like potentially just which yeah yeah uh, more productive framework yes 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 absolutely you know and i always say like mm-hmm. if my kids came to me one day and they were like mom you did some stuff right here's some stuff that uh didn't really fly well with us and we're not going to do i would be like great thank you <laughs> right like <laughs> You are making our family lineage better. You're great. That's what we're supposed to do as human beings, as living beings, we are created to evolve, not to stay stagnant. When things are stagnant, it becomes putrid and old and worn out and dangerous, right? Like we need to evolve. We need to grow. So really, I like to look at it from a standpoint of you're really honoring your ancestors. You're honoring those who came before you by saying, hey, you know what? This is the scaffold that I was given and I'm going to use it, climb up. And then I'm going to look and create something new. And the scaffold that I'm going to grow to put upon this is going to be a little different than the one that was given to me. Right. So like for me, the four horsemen, they've been retired as much as possible. I'm only human. I probably slip up sometimes for (laughs) sure. And (laughs) right. Like those are things that we just don't use. Those aren't our primary go-tos in this family. Yeah. Tell me if I got them right. Pain, blame, shame, and avoidance. Yeah. How did the four horsemen lead you into your work? Was was it a conscientious, like, I want to reject that or transform in your words, but right. um, or, Or recognizing that you needed to heal it. Is that what led to your work? It did. You know, I often tell the story about my sister when I was in college. This was before I even had children. 
And I was in college and my sister, she's 20 years younger than me. So at the time she might've been two or three or something like that. And I remember she was sitting at my grandmother's kitchen counter and she had done, she had said or done something that was, that I deemed like, you know, smart, you know, like don't get smart with me. Like that sort of, mm, that sort of right, thing. Right. Sassy. And I, I call it sassy. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and I remember I was standing at the sink and I turned around and I looked at her and I said something like, I'm so angry. I could smack you right now. Mm. And I remember she just looked at me and her head just went down, you know, and I was like, did I really just say that to a child? Like, did I really just, and I very quickly realized like that was said to me so many times growing up. Like that was like a normal thing. It was a default. Like, yes, yes. When a child, a child is not supposed to do that. And when they do it, you've got to put them in the place. Mm -hmm. And if you have to do that physically, that's what you do. And I remember in that moment thinking, I will never do that to her again. And when I have kids, I will never do that to them. This has got to stop. I mean, it didn't feel good. And when I saw her, I was like, she is literally powerless. If I went over there and smacked her right now, there's nothing she could do to stop me. Mm. And is that really what I want to do? Is that what I want to pass on? Do I want my child or my children or my sister to be afraid of me? Yeah. You know, and in the four horsemen mindset, that's the goal, right? Your children are supposed to be afraid of you. They're supposed to be afraid because when you speak and you say something, they're supposed to very quickly, you know, get back in line and do mm-hmm. it. But there are consequences to that. So for me, realizing I don't want to pass this legacy on, I don't want to continue it. That led me to start looking for other ways, <laughs> you know, to do this. And there were other traumas that I had throughout my life. And I went to school and like, I always say like any good psychologist, I decided, well, if I really want to heal from this stuff, I just need to like learn how to treat people. And then eventually the more that I learn, then I will vicariously heal. Like every single psychology major or doctoral student ever. (laughs) I was also a psychologist. Well, I was a psychology minor, but I set out to be a psychology major and then changed. So I yeah, spent many hours self-diagnosing and learning to heal. Exactly. exactly. Also didn't work. No, <laughs> spoiler alert, done work. <laughs> but it makes you feel like it feels super productive. You're like, I'm yeah. really on top of this and I can diagnose everyone else around me. So we're good. <laughs> basically, everybody else needs to change and we'll be fine. That's totally. basically the, the right. end result. <laughs> They're all narcissists, but I have, how odd that I know so many people with narcissistic tendencies. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> narcissists and borderlines. That's, yes. that's, that's, you make me mad. It's because you're one of those two. Right. Yes. Yes. <laughs> Bam. See, you get me, Sarah. Look yes. at you. <laughs> so I tried that, didn't work. And then I realized I have to do the work. I have to do the work myself. And as I went in and started getting my own work done, my, my own psychological work done, and I realized that this is where it's at. This is where the money is. You can't learn your way into this. And neurologically, I'm kind of a neuro nerd. So I, I studied the brain all the time. One thing that we now know is that there are more pathways going from our body to our brain than from our brain to our body. So when we sit here and we try to learn things, learn our way into healing, a lot of that stuff, especially trauma is stored in our body. Mm-hmm. So we can't like, it's, you might have had situations where you think one thing, but your body or your sensations, they do something completely different. Oh, totally. Like it's not even listening. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And this is why, because you also, you can't be neck up. Mm-hmm. Just, everything can't be neck up. And that's how I was living. So I realized that I really had to do work that required me to really dive into being aware of what was going on in my body really. And, and learning how to navigate and negotiate my body sensations and my emotions and how those things were impacting what was happening. That had to be a part of my healing process in order to get my body and my brain in sync. So the learning Mm. was helpful, but it wasn't, it didn't take me all the way there. Yeah. 
This episode is supported by AquaTrue. Having clean, safe water is the last thing you want to worry about. But unfortunately, according to extensive research by the Environmental Working Group, three out of four, yes, three out of four homes in America have harmful contaminants in their tap water. So that's why you got to check out AquaTrue. AquaTrue purifiers have a four-stage reverse osmosis purification process. And their countertop purifiers, which is what we have, take no installation or plumbing, and they remove 15 times more contaminants than ordinary pitcher filters and they're specifically designed to combat chemicals like PFAS, which can lead to potentially adverse health effects like cancer, endocrine system disruption, and liver toxicity, which is part of what makes AquaTrue so special, unique, and important in terms of how they are able to filter water. They also have water purifiers to fit every type of home. So like the installation-free countertop purifier that we have at our house to higher capacity under sink options. They even have Wi-Fi connected purifiers and mineral boost options. So I'm so excited about our new AquaTrue. And here's the thing. I swear it's like a gentle reminder to actually drink more water every time you walk into your kitchen. So we are drinking more water now and also more clean water. So more water that is more clean. It feels like a double win. I'm feeling pretty impressed with us. I feel like sink water, tap water becomes invisible at a certain point. And when I see the purifier on my counter, it's like many time a day reminder to like, keep drinking, keep drinking. So I want you to check out AquaTrue for yourself and for your family. AquaTrue comes with a 30 day money back guarantee and that makes it a great gift as well. Today, my listeners, can receive 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com. That's A-Q-U-A-T-R-U.com and enter the code SHAMELESS at checkout. That's 20% off any AquaTrue purifier when you go to AquaTrue.com and use the code SHAMELESS, S-H-A-M-E-L-E-S-S, AquaTrue.com code SHAMELESS. This episode is supported by a podcast I want to share with you called Understood Explains. So this show is about navigating ADHD, dyslexia, and other learning and thinking differences, which can be so confusing. And so every uh, season of the show is around a different theme. So there's a season on special education, there's a season on ADHD diagnosis for adults, and the current season is all about IEPs. I love this podcast because the episodes are 10 to 15 minutes long. So if you are short on time or short on focus, you can take this content in super quickly, easily, It's very digestible, and the show is hosted by teacher and special education expert Juliana Utube. So Juliana talks all about how to navigate educational plans, IEPs. She talks about the differences between IEPs and 504 plans. She really breaks things down in a really clear and simple way so that you have some of those questions that you might be thinking around, like, does this pertain to my child? Is this something I need to be looking into? Like, where do we go from here? Where do I go if I have questions? Juliana has you covered. She explains so many different things and so many different little pieces and nuance of IEPs and special education and different things on Understood Explains. So I want you to go check it out wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can go listen to Understood Explains. Just go into your podcast app, do a search for Understood Explains, and it will pop right up. Click on it, pick your episode, and get the answers that you've been looking for and the support that you need around different learning differences and differences in school. It's so interesting. I actually was just doing an interview earlier today and I was talking about how maddening it is when you have to like use your own skills. So for like me in the coaching world and I'll have a hard day, hard circumstance, hard season, and I'm having to like self-coach and I just get so mad. I'm like, damn it that I have to use my own tools. Like I'm so mad. I should be better than this. I should be beyond this. And it kind of goes to like that learning versus application where like the application, it just keeps coming into play. And doing the work on yourself. It's never done. (laughs) No, it isn't. It's like a spiral. It just keeps going deeper and deeper and you keep uncovering things. And that's why one of the things I always say is you really need to focus more on listening to and learning from your body than Mm -hmm. you do on listening to and learning from books. Yeah. Because books are great. But that's only that's if you look at your head in proportion to your body, that's a very small (laughs) Mm -hmm. amount of information. (laughs) And it's like shutting down the noise because Mm -hmm. the noise is so accessible and because consumption of the noise seems, feels so productive. Shutting down the noise is really scary and vulnerable and uncomfortable and because we don't know what's going to come up. So when I decide like, instead of reading all the books or joining all the things online or reading all the, following all the social media accounts on healing and trauma or whatever, I'm going to just shut it all down and listen inward. Mm -hmm. Like what might I find? It could be really bad. (laughs) And then what do I have to do with it? Like, there's a sense of like, then I have to be responsible for whatever I find. (laughs) 
It's a lot. <laughs> exactly. I got the image of HGTV when people are like fixing the old houses and yeah. you get really nervous when they go into the walls because you're like, oh, you're going to find asbestos and you're going to find totally. all this. If you just don't open the wall, then right. you're fine. Just leave yes. it closed. Don't open the wall. But once you open that wall, now you got to do all this asbestos remediation and all this other stuff. Yeah. <laughs> you know? yeah. But what I find is that especially like in Trigger to Transform, it's, it's about titrating. Right. It's not about like, it's okay to start with the mind. It's okay to start there. If that's what feels safest, it's not always the safest for people to dive into their body and start doing all that stuff that can feel very uncomfortable. So it's about titrating and slowly getting to where you need to be in order to get the information that you need to get. And so that you don't overwhelm yourself. Yes, for sure. Absolutely. You mentioned trauma that we can hold inside of us. And that's part of our DNA. Can you talk about intergenerational trauma? So what are, inter, what are intergenerate, what is intergenerate? Oh my goodness. What is intergenerational trauma and how does that impact how we show up with our families? Yeah. So intergenerational trauma, I like to talk about um, the traumas and the dramas. <laughs> oh my gosh. Right. That's so funny. In your notes, you had dramas and I was like, I wonder if that's a typo or if yeah. it's supposed to be dramas. So I'm so glad you said that. Absolutely. So happy dramas. Because the way that I look at it is a trauma Mm -hmm. is often something that we experience either directly or vicariously, right? So you see a car accident or you're abused in some way, that sort of thing. And what often happens is somewhere in our lineage, like the example that I always use is if we go way back in my lineage. So I'm an African-American woman. So there's absolutely slavery in my family's history. And a big piece of that was whoopings and beatings. Like that's how you kept slaves in line. That's how you made them do what you wanted to do, all of that stuff. And that was something that was also used to keep kids in line because if they got out of line, the consequences could be dire, right? So to keep everybody in line and straight, physical pain, whippings, things like that were used. And in my family, that same mindset and belief was passed down generation to generation to generation. I have never been enslaved. My grandmother, my mother, we've never been enslaved. And it's still a drama that plays out in our lives. It's still a drama. And by drama, I mean that in the truest sense of the word, like actors on stage replaying a script over and over and over again. So even though I might not have a direct association with the initial trauma, I absolutely can relate to the dramas that have been played out generation after generation in my family line. So that's why I talk about those intergenerational dramas because they can also, they can often be hard to see, right? Because if you're enslaved and then something like that's very clear, right? Mm -hmm. But when you think about why do I do ABC or XYZ, you know, that can become, that can feel more amorphous Mm -hmm. in some ways. Like, why do I do that? That didn't happen to me. Well, it might not have happened to you, but directly, But if it was modeled for you, if you lived with someone that it did happen to and they were reacting with a traumatized mind, right? All of these things can absolutely impact how you manifest this, how it manifests in your family. And in terms of how it shows up in our families, it shows up in multidimensional ways. So whether it's a direct trauma or a drama, it shows up in our thoughts, our body sensations our actions and reactions, how we deal with stress, all of those things, it's multi-dimensional. Mm-hmm. And one of the examples I often give is, so, you know, like the fight, flight, freeze, fall, right? right? You know, like what, which one of those you tend to do if you fight, if you get into power struggles with your kids, if you tend to flee, right? So you avoid or you control to avoid, you know, if you freeze, like kind of shut down, disconnect, or you fawn, you appease, or you, your boundaries are very fluid. All of those things, whichever you do, whichever you choose is often connected to some sort of drama that you learned growing up, you learned in your family. So it's really important to look at how we, the thoughts that we have when our kids do things, what we tend to do in response to their actions, right? Because intergenerational trauma can feel so amorphous. And Mm -hmm. and what exactly do I do with that? I don't, you know, but it is something that's very tangible when we look at it, especially through the lens of dramas and how it shows up. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. I'm thinking of the things that like trigger me most in parenting right now. I'm sure everyone else is too. And I'm like, huh, I wonder what that's connected. I'm mm-hmm. thinking of the fact that my child went to school in tears this morning because he didn't like the way his shirt fit <laughs> and my patience for that, which is an ongoing issue in the morning. Yeah. And my like patient, there's mornings where I'm like, be your best self. You can do it. And then there's other mornings where I'm like, we're done. And if you're going to cry, you can walk ahead of me or behind me, but not by my side, which is, I mean, that's not who I want to be. <laughs> But right, right. But it comes oh, out. It's it so hard because yes. how many mornings can we cry about the shirt? Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> As it turns out, many. Just right. for those of you wondering, it can be many. <laughs> Answer is B, many. <laughs> and I'm so glad you said that because there's another thing that I often differentiate between, and that's between triggers and stressors. Mm, you know, explain that. Yeah, there's a huge difference now. I often describe it in the form of a story because it's much easier to understand this way. So there was a night where I'm sure nobody can relate to this. It was a tough night with my child in wanting to get bath done. She didn't want to take her bath. She didn't want to go to bed. She didn't want to breathe. Like whatever we asked her to do, she was like, <laughs> right. no, no. Right. And it got, it was a very exhausting evening. And at the end of it, finally, we got everybody to bed. And at the end, my husband and I plop in the bed and I was like, I was already exhausted. And that did not help. <laughs> and my husband's reaction was, oh my God, she's going to be just like my sister when she grows up. She's going to be all over the place. And she's going to be, and I'm looking at him like, what? And she's like, we got to get him under, we got to get her under control. We got to teach her differently. We got to, and I'm like, okay, you're adding to my stress number one. Right, right. Uh, <laughs> what just happened? <laughs> and what I realized was in that moment, I was stressed. Mm-hmm. And in the truest sense of that phrase, so the, um, if you look at stress, like the true definition, you're stressed when your the demands of the moment outweigh your coping resources, your ability to deal with it. Yeah. So the demands of that moment outweighed the resources that I had available to deal with all the bath time bedroom stuff, right? My husband was triggered because his past experiences, right, were overwhelming the resources he had available to deal in that moment. Mm. Right. So he was triggered. I was stressed because the present moment was overwhelming me. He was triggered because the past was overwhelming him. Right. And so in those moments, like super helpful. Right. So in those moments when we're talking about like the shirts, if you find that on Monday, you're like, yeah, yeah, shirt, blah, blah, blah. Let's do this. Let's go. And then on Wednesday, you're like, I'm just going to burn all the shirts. I'm just going (laughs) to stuff 15 shirts in your book bag and you just choose one when you get there. I don't care. It might be that that's a sign that, okay, maybe I'm a little stressed, right? Mm -hmm. Like today, these resources are overwhelming me. If you find on the other hand that it doesn't matter what day, night, year it is, Mm -hmm. you have the same reaction, the same body sensations, the same stories to the shirt, then there might be a trigger there, right? Mm -hmm. There might be something connecting that to the past. Yeah, that we need to explore. I always say when we're talking about triggers versus stressors, and we're talking about these things, um, you have to become the explorer. And the only benefit of knowing the difference, because interestingly enough, you handle them very similarly, right? Like the, the things I would do to handle a stressor versus a trigger are very similar. The difference though, and why it's important to differentiate is because stressors need to be honored right? Like I needed to honor the fact that I didn't get much sleep the night before. And then I was hungry and I worked too late that night. Well, triggers need to be healed. Mm. Right. And so when you honor a stressor and you honor the fact that you're hungry and all this stuff, then you can take care of that in a very direct way. When you need to heal something, sometimes that requires a little bit more depth, a little bit, sometimes it just requires insight and awareness as to where it connects to, but it could also involve a bit more work, a bit more guidance, a bit more support. That's so helpful. I also was thinking, which I know will be so relatable to parents, our tolerance between like a one-time stressor or trigger and like the thing you have to revisit over and over and over again. And with any kid, there's a handful of them, maybe more, where you're like, we've been here. We've done that. Like, how are we here again? And so I gave the example of the shirt, but I mean, it might even be like asking your kid to brush your teeth. Like there's these things that have to happen on a very routine basis. And you're like, how is it a surprise every time? Or how is it like like putting on a shirt? We do whatever, like, it's not a new thing. If it was a new thing, I actually could have like a lot of compassion and understanding. Well, I would take extra time. I would write you a note if you were late, like, because it would be a new thing. (laughs) 
thing. <laughs> it isn't. And that can absolutely overwhelm what we have available to us yeah. in that moment to deal with it because we know. And then the stories start to pop up, right? So there's a framework that I created called Paths that I, I walk through to help folks, whether it's trying to figure out, you know, how these intergenerational dramas are connected and or whether it's to figure out, you know, why am I showing up in a way that I don't like to show up? And PATHS is like an acronym, P-A-T-H-S. And the P stands for perspective. So a lot of times what ends up happening is our stories, right? So asking yourself like, okay, when I'm in this moment with my child, what stories am I telling myself about this moment, about myself, about my child, right? Like, so if the story is like, I'm awful at this, I suck, you know, right. <laughs> or my child being so manipulative, those types of stories absolutely are going to impact how we show up in that moment. You know, one of the examples that I often give is I had a client who really was like anti-emotions, like not really anti-emotions, but it was hard for her to really sink into them. You know, and when we did some exploration, she came up with this idea that like, for some reason in my mind, she said, I'm thinking the message that keeps coming up for me is that emotions are a luxury. They're a luxury. They're not something that I can, that I should feel all the time or should want to express. And then we dug a little deeper. We realized it was intergenerational, right? Like she realized that, so her family was a family of farmers and for them, this idea of emotions are a luxury where that was extremely true because it's like, you can sit here and cry if you want, but if we don't deal with this crop, you will not be able to eat this winter. Right. So what kind of tears do you think that's going right. to create? Get your butt up and pull the corn or do whatever it is you need to do so that we can eat. Right. So that was something that was passed down this idea. Well, it was outdated. It was no longer necessary. Right. right. And then once she realized this story is no longer necessary, then she was able, much easier, able to release it. And realizing like, this isn't mine. It was handed to me. It was placed in front of me, but I don't have to eat it because it no longer serves me. Yeah. Right? yeah. So it's really powerful to be able to get clear on what are these stories that I'm telling myself and where did I learn it? Where did it come from? Is it mine? Is it helpful in this moment? What would be more helpful you know, in this moment. So even with the shirt example, right? Like starting to think about like, what stories am I telling myself in that moment? Because you're right. It does happen. If it happens every day, mm. you know, it's sort of like, okay, why is this a surprise to any of us? Like I say that, <laughs> why is that like, okay, maybe I just need to stuff your shirt in a book bag and be like, let's go, don't wear a shirt. I don't care. You know, I don't know. Right. right? But really like starting to look like, what are the stories that are coming up? Mm -hmm. in these moments. You know? And it's interesting how it evolves over time. And especially I think, and you probably have this with your kids at nine and 13, you in certain seasons of parenting, you're like, is this happening? Because I didn't prepare them well enough for this moment. Mm. So like my thing right now is like, did I not teach him? I gave him like no resiliency skills. I've coddled him. He's an only child. And that's why we cry about the shirt all the time. Like, so now I'm like, oh shoot. Like maybe I've been so like, I don't want to do tough love. I just want to be like empathetic. But now I'm thinking, oh, is it too much empathy? Like I've given him no opportunities to practice being resilient. So now he can't get over a shirt. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. And then how does that lead you to respond when you have that thought? Like, I well, failed you child. <laughs> well, and, yeah. And then I'm like, well, now I need to compensate. So I'm like, we're going to practice resilience right now. We're, you're going to get over the shirts. We're not crying about the shirt. Anymore. And then I'm like, this is probably confusing. Cause on Monday I was like, do you want to talk about it some more? Like, let me hold your hand. Let's sit on the sidewalk for a minute. Let's take some deep breaths. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. It's so true. And I love that example because you can see how, depending on the story you're telling yourself, yes. it's going to push you into one or two directions. 100%. And it's usually no middle ground. No. Either no. lay on the couch. I have my pad. We're going to analyze the teach the shirt. Right. Or, <laughs> dude, kid, get up. Let's go move, move, yeah. move. You know, <laughs> it really is. Or like you're all the way one thing until there's like a threshold and you're like, well, yeah. I tried that for as long as I possibly could. And now I'm really frustrated and overwhelmed. And so like, um, my, uh, do you know, John Lumenlon? No. So she's a parenting educator as well. And she talks, she calls it being flooded, but like you manage, manage, manage to a point, And then you're like, so flooded that you're like, you shift right into the next thing. Like, so instead yeah. of going from like empathetic to like, 
the next step, whatever that would be. You just go from like empathetic to like no patience, like total shame. (laughs) Yes. Yes. At first it's like, Oh, I understand. You don't want to eat the peas all the way to no dinner for a week. You're like, Whoa, wait a minute. What just happened? Right. Totally. Oh my gosh. (laughs) So for sure being able to, you know, I call it the pendulum swing, right? Like we pendulum swing all over the place. Right. And, and it's really hard to keep ourselves like in a space where we're like, okay, how do we slow the pendulum down? Mm, and it's yeah. often most helpful to do that outside of the moment. You know? Okay, so, so, yeah. Go ahead. Well, because I think I want to keep going with that. And I was curious because the next question I was going to ask you is how do we keep our, our, our own intergenerational dramas from impacting our children? And mm-hmm. my guess is that when you are in the process of healing those and recognizing and connecting all the dots, then that pendulum swing does just naturally get more uh, shorter between the two sides. Absolutely. It does. Because once you start, so the second one of PABS is the awareness, right? And so that's what the A stands for. And it's about awareness of your body sensations, your emotions, all that stuff we're talking about. But it's also an awareness of how your child tends to react towards you when you do certain things, Mm. right? And so that can some, like I say, our kids are our mirrors, they're our greatest teachers in so many ways. So that can be really powerful to notice, like, how do you tend to respond when I do these things and using that information? So for instance, my husband and my son have this, they have a great relationship now, but there was this breaking point when I was, when they were, Joseph was probably, he's 13 now. He's probably about, I don't know, six, five, something like that. And he and Patrick, my husband had this really awkward relationship where they just weren't connecting. And I remember one night it was time for Joseph to go to bed and he came out and he said, good night, mommy. I love you. And Patrick and I were sitting in the den and I said, oh, good night, baby. I love you. And then he walked away and Patrick was like, good night, Joseph. I love you. And Joseph stopped and he turned and he looked at Patrick. And then he turned, he kept walking. (gasps) And then Patrick was like, Joseph, I love you. He stopped. He looked at him. He turned around, kept walking. And it wasn't like a talking to me, whatever. It was literally like a, did you say something? And turn and just, and I was like, oh my gosh, are you kidding me Did your psychologist brain just (laughs) It did. Well, you know, it was funny. I had been trying to coach him through this. But for some reason, partners don't always like to be coached to through things like it's, that. Even it's so weird. We have that at our house too. Nobody in my household wants to be coached, including the dog. I don't understand it. I'm really good at what I do. Why Hello? Would I I'm like, this is not my hobby. You realize this, correct? <laughs> right? right? <laughs> People pay me a lot of money to do this. I don't understand. <laughs> well, I don't understand why you're not taking my information, right? Right. So it was one of those things where realized, and we, we, we dug into a little bit deeper and realized there was some intergenerational stuff there too. He was like, I didn't connect with my father like that. You know, now Patrick and his father now have a very sweet relationship. He was like growing up. I just, we didn't, men didn't connect that way. Yeah. Right. And so he literally didn't know how <clears throat> to connect, you know? And so it really focusing on like, and just that awareness back to my original point, just that awareness from him really started to shift automatically what he was doing and how he was engaging. So yes, digging deep into how do these responses, like how does that impact how I'm engaging my child? And how does that impact how my child responds? How does it impact my emotions when I tell these stories, right? That type of awareness alone can automatically lead you to start to shift. Like the next time the shirt thing comes up, I would not be surprised if you think, crap, what story am I telling myself? Yes. Right oh yeah, I'm a horrible mom. I've not taught my kids resilience. Tomorrow morning, now I need tomorrow to morning we'll see what the story is. <laughs> <laughs> exactly, exactly. And so being that, that awareness alone, and sometimes I find when I recognize the story, that awareness, I can sometimes laugh at it and oh, just totally. be like, that's hilarious actually, okay. <laughs> yeah. Clearly the kid has some resilient skills. I'm thinking right. probably more than most right? In actuality, just given who his mom is, you know, (laughs) but in that moment, it's like, I suck at this. I, this is just not good. Right. I tell my kids sometimes when they're acting, acting up, I'm like, you need to stop. This is bad for my brand. Right. Cause there is, (laughs) I mean, I'm the co-chair of the parent association. I'm like, I'm going to drop my kid off in tears again. Great. Really? I feel (laughs) that's a lot for my credibility. (laughs) I need you to be better because you are making me look really bad right, right now. Right. 
This episode is supported by Earn In. Life doesn't happen bi-weekly, so why should payday? The money you earn now can be in your hands today with Earn In. Earn In is an app that gives you access to your pay as you work, up to $100 per day or up to $750 per pay period. Super, super easy to use. You just download the Earn In app and verify your paycheck. Then you can access up to $100 a day as you work and leave an optional tip. So the app is free. You can leave a tip if you want. Any money you access plus tips are automatically repaid from your next paycheck. So here's the thing. Sometimes getting close to your next paycheck, next pay period, and you realize, oh gosh, like paycheck doesn't come until next Friday, but we have this event that we need to attend this weekend and we need money for it. Or we have to buy a gift for someone. Or, oh my gosh, like my kid tore through their shoes and now we have to buy new shoes this weekend and the money's not in the bank yet. So Earnin can help you access the money you've already earned at work by giving you this little bit of money in advance. So make Earnin part of your financial routine and join Earnin's over three and a half million customers who say things like, when I think about Earnin, I think about financial stability and security, and it gives me a lot of peace of mind. So for our listeners, all you need to do is download Earn In today. It's spelled E-A-R-N-I-N, and you can download it in Google Play or the Apple App Store. When you download the Earn In app, type in Shameless Mom under podcast when you sign up. So there'll be a little place where you can, where it says, what podcast did you hear about them on? Type in Shameless Mom under podcast. This helps to show support for our show and our advertisers. Earnin is a financial technology company, not a bank, and subject to your available earnings, daily max, pay period max, and location. See earnin.com slash TOS for details. Bank products are issued by Evolve Bank and Trust, member FDIC. Look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the, must not take yourself too seriously, and 6-1 since that matters, and what do I even say other than, hey? <sighs> well... That's why they're introducing an all-new Bumble with exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. I mean, luckily, I titled the podcast appropriately so I can continue to be a shameless mom. And they're like, yeah, and my kid is trying to drop off a lot. (laughs) Exactly. And I'm shameless. I will say, I will say it's gotten better over the years. I mean, we, in kindergarten, it was... Even the, the poor principal was like, how can I help this? No. <laughs> we like sitting on the playground, like sitting on the playground, crisscross applesauce, taking deep breaths. <laughs> yes. It's oh. gotten much, much better, but it is just interesting how it's interesting how you catch yourself in the same cycles. It's interesting like, to your point, what you say, what you, the stories that you tell yourself. And it's interesting how you wrap all that up into your own identity as you, yeah. so like the awareness piece of what as well, like being aware of this isn't about, doesn't say anything about me that we're continuing to have this conversation. This is about my child, my child's needs, the way my child experiences the world and clothing on his body and yes. all sorts of things like that. So. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, things like that come up all the time. You know, now we have so much awareness around sensitivity and things yeah. like that. Right. And realizing like, oh, okay, well, this is, you know, maybe this is a tag issue. Maybe it just doesn't feel good. Right. Right. So there's so much more awareness now that we have, and and I'm all about like co-creation with our kids, you know? And so really sitting down and being like, okay, what would be helpful here for you? Like even outside of the moment, you know, like at dinner, like, but this t-shirt thing, are you happy? in the morning (laughs) when that happens? This is not working out for you. I'm thinking, right. what are your ideas on how we can like, you know, make this a little bit better, a little bit easier, you yeah. know, because sometimes when we bring them into it as well, it can help them to say like, oh, I have power here, huh? You know, but it's, it's so hard. Oh my God. It's so yeah. hard in the moment when it's happening. So hard for sure. I want to make sure, well, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you a choice here, or maybe we have time for both. You tell me, do you want to keep telling us the rest of your paths acronym? I do want to also get into stable misery, which I'm dying to dig into. Yes, so yes, yes. I'm going to let you pick where we go next. So I can go through the other paths because I know that would okay. annoy me. If they were like, I'm like, no, it's I'm incomplete. <laughs> <I know. laughs> this sucks. What are you doing? So the T stands for tools. You're always using a tool, right? So it's um, the question is never, am I using a tool? It's is the tool I'm using helpful or unhelpful, mm. right? So yelling is a tool. Taking five deep breaths is a tool. There's always a tool, right? So are the tools that we use can also give us insight into the types of dramas that we're repeating. 
right? If you're finding that you're yelling all the time or that you're disconnecting and you're, you know, making your boundaries really fluid, right? Like look for the themes around the tools that you're using. And then you can even ask questions like, where did I learn this? Where did this come from? Right. And that will give you insight into, are there some things that need to be healed or honored? The fact that I keep using this tool over and over and over again, you know, somebody, one of my friends was like, yeah, it's like every time I open my mouth, my mom pops out. Right. Like, did you notice <laughs> things like that? Right. So really focusing on the tools can also be helpful. The H stands for healing or honoring, which we just, we already went over. One thing that we do in Trigger to Transformed is one of the modules is creating your own personal stress management system. Hey, right? like Ooh. you can download all these books and stuff around like how to manage stress. But I believe that you know, I mean, that's the premise of the whole program. You really do know the answers. It's really mm-hmm. only thing I do is I help facilitate a process to help you move the stuff out of the way that's getting in your way of accessing them. Right. So I guide through this process of where you can, you develop your own system on how to manage your stress, because that is really important. You know, we have the triggers, I mean, the traumas and the dramas, of course, but then there's also the stress, right. Yeah. And all of that stuff. So figuring out how to deal and, and, heal both of those is super helpful. And then the S stands for self-empowerment, right? And the, when you deal, when you're talking about self-empowerment as parents, when we feel disempowered, that's when the whole mountain can start to crumble, right? We start to tell ourselves stories that aren't helpful. We start to dive into, you know, our body gets all contorted. The tools we use are not helpful and we're overly stressed, right? So Sometimes the best way to get to empowerment is to find out where do you feel disempowered? And this kind of leads into the stable misery piece. I like, where do I feel disempowered? Right. What am I tolerating? Right. Instead of like, am I living or am I tolerating what's going on? And then also where am I living in stable misery? (laughs) Yes. Great question. Yeah. So you've trademarked the phrase stable misery. And I, when I was reading through your notes that you sent over, I was like, oh my gosh, I didn't think about all the different ways that we do this. Just like the ways that moms are complacent in stable Mm. misery, which I'm sure you're going to dig into, but because we, because we're tired, (laughs) it's not even like we don't know that there's something better or we, but we're like, I don't know, like going and finding the better thing. That just seems hard. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> We're so tired. And the pandemic has not made us less tired. No. <laughs> so, yeah. So I'm no. going to let you tell us all about what is stable misery and then yes. how does it impact our parenting and partnerships? Yes. So stable misery is a phrase <laughs> that I use all the time, like almost 20 years now. And it just is so relatable because it describes yeah. that place where like nothing is, you're not really in crisis, right? You're not in crisis and <laughs> you're just not happy. You're unfulfilled. And you just don't feel good. You don't, you're not enjoying yourself as a mom or a dad or a partner, right? Like you're just, you're just kind of there. You're just kind of existing and it feels, it can feel so sad because we know we're there. We know we're in that space, but it's often like, what do I do to get out? And I will say the thing about stable misery, and you sort of alluded to it already is it is ironically enough, it's actually a helpful place to be because Mm. it is energy conserving. It conserves our energy, right? Like if I, yes, I'm miserable, but the house isn't on fire, right? And so to put forth the energy to actually start shifting and changing and that's exhaust, I'll do that next week, right? (laughs) And so it's one of those things where it's like, there is a trade, there is a payoff. There's a payoff Mm. in being in stable misery. But when it gets to a point where stable misery starts to hurt Mm. or you start to wonder like, Am I really, especially in partnerships, I get this a lot. Like, are we really going to do this for the rest of our lives? Cause this sucks. You yeah. know? <laughs> and when you're awful. in it, you're like, it's a hard week. It's a hard month. But then you're like, hold on. Let me count how many more years. We yes. Might be here. <laughs> yes. Like, oh my God, the kids too. What, how, how many years till college? You know, <laughs> yeah. Right. And then it becomes, well, crap. Now we're just going to be like this without the kid. Like, you know, yes. now we can focus on the kid. Now we're right, right, you right. and me looking at each other in a pool of misery. This has got to go. Totally. Right. So a lot of the families, a lot of the parents and the partners that that contact me are at a point where they're like, I can't be here anymore. It Mm -hmm. is too painful. And my life is too valuable. And my relationship with my child is too valuable. My relationship with my partner, we need to figure this out. Right. And see like, do we want to shift? Can we shift? What does that look like? Right. So when we get to that point, 
that's where we can start to move. Now, the other thing I want to say about stable misery is it's not an on-off switch. It's more like a dimmer switch. Mm. And what I mean by that is if you have like joy at the top of the switch and stable misery, or what I call dynamic joy at the top and stable misery at the bottom, like throughout the day, Forget life throughout the day. You can flip back and forth between those, right? And what ends up happening is stable misery becomes less of a state of being, which it was for me and my husband for many years. And it becomes more of an indicator. Mm. You know, like if you realize like, uh, we haven't really connected in like two weeks and we haven't made time for each other or you're with your kid and you're like, I haven't enjoyed you since... God, when's the last time you were in my womb? Right? Like if that <laughs> there, you know, then you start to realize like this is an indicator that something needs to change. What is one small step that I can do to bring more joy into this moment, into our relationship? Right. And it, you could just start shifting things incrementally. Again, it's that awareness. Once you're aware that you're in stable misery and you have a name for it, which is what I hear a lot of people say, like, oh my gosh, it has a name. Thank you. All right. What's right. something about naming something mm-hmm. gives it this tangible effect where now I can manipulate it. Now I can do something with it and shift it right. in a helpful way. And I that's where you that. can start taking small shifts and changes to do that. I have to give an example and my husband probably can hear me saying this because his office is on the other side of this wall, but he is really good at when we haven't had a date night in a long time or had like mm-hmm. just time, just us is he will find like, if there's Vinny's going to be somewhere for a couple hours or he'll get a sit or whatever, but he's really good at taking the initiative and like booking, making a dinner reservation and just sending me a Google calendar invite. Oh, um, that's like one. And you talk about like, what's one little thing. That's like a little bit of a reset. It's yeah. stuff like that. It yes. doesn't have to be like, well, we have to like go to Greece for 10 days. Yeah. I mean, let's go to Greece for 10 days. <laughs> Thank you. But it could just be like that one little thing that you're going to do. Or maybe it's just like you're picking a movie that you're going to watch after the kids go to bed one night or like it can be a really little thing, but it is that like intentional it's noted like the indicator light is going off mm-hmm. you're like, okay, we haven't gotten to do whatever is meaningful to us in a while. And then m- taking that one little step. And and taking initiative, like it's really the initiative. And sometimes we think it has to be this like big joint thing. Sometimes it can just be one person being like, yeah, this is on the calendar. (laughs) Yes. Yes. I love that. You know, and like you said, it's something really, really tiny. You know, I think something as small as, so I got these cards. They're like these, and they have many different names, but they're like on Amazon. They're like family communication cards Mm -hmm. or something. Right. And sometimes if I'm feeling like our family is getting into like a little bit of a rut, I'll be like, let's pull some cards. And you just pull these, and they're like questions. Just simple questions that everybody answers if they so choose, right? And sometimes Patrick and I will take them, right? Like one time we went downstairs because our kids are older so we can do this. But during the pandemic, we're like, we haven't had a date night in like, I don't know, 10 years, it feels like. (laughs) (laughs) 10 years ago in 2019. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) And what I did was I found this video on YouTube of how to draw a flower. And I got us these little pads, these little sketch pads. And we literally went down, we put the kids in front of TV, no shame, put them in front of a movie, went downstairs, opened up the laptop and let this woman show us how to draw a flower. And at the end of it, I was like, my flower's better than your flower. You know, I mean, it was great, right? We just played with that. Like something so small, it doesn't have to be huge. And sometimes we think it does. Right. Like it has to be a date and we have a sitter and we go out to a movie. No, it really doesn't. It, it yeah. doesn't have to be that big. It could be something so small. It could be something like take the love language test and then talk about it as you're going to sleep right. at night. Like right. something super simple just We've, to reform that connection. Totally. We, um, oh gosh, I don't remember when this was, it was a while ago now, but my son was having a sleepover and he and his friend were watching our TV downstairs. They were watching a movie and we were like, what are we supposed to do? Like, this is like the time of night when we're like usually watching a show of our choosing. And we were like, well, we don't want to go watch the movie. So we, we have this card game that we played that we had not played since like, I think before Vinny was born Wow, play it all the time. And we were like, we could play sets. And so we got out the cards and we played a game and it was like, oh my gosh, like, remember how we used to do this? Like yes. 100 years ago. Yes. Yeah. So it is like yes. bringing in, I mean, we played for like 45 minutes. It was, yeah. So like, funny. this is amazing. And even something like sitting down like that, like you just <clears throat> brought this up in my head, like sitting down and writing a list of cool things to do. Brainstorm. Yeah. Just sit down oh, and I love brainstorm. that. Brainstorm. What are things we can do? You have to do something. 
just brainstorm. <laughs> I just make right? a- <laughs> I need and to then- apply that to your kids, like p- apply that to stuff yeah. with your kids too, you know, like, and like, and that goes back to, I love your, the idea of co-creation, but yes, yes, so yes. Like our kids have a lot of wisdom. Like when I actually sit down and I'm like, what do you think? Like, I'm actually surprised. I'm like, I don't know why I'm surprised, but that was a really good idea. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. You know, so really just allowing your kids to have some say. The other cool thing about allowing your kids to have say in things is it gives them power. And when they are given power, they don't fight for it. Right. So you can give them power, but like little things like, you know, and then after a while, it's like, when you ask them to do the bigger things where it's like, this is kind of non-negotiable, bud, right? They're less likely to push back on it because their power bucket is already full. Totally. Totally. Oh my goodness. Oh, I could, we could go on and on. I have, I could ask you a million more questions. (laughs) I want to know how you're currently showing up as a shameless mom. Yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. You know, I'm really learning to take time for myself. Like, you know, I've had some health issues and they have, They've been huge light bulb moments for me, you know, I mean, in addition to getting COVID, but that, yeah, not even that, like other things where I've just been like, I need to take care of myself more. So for me, just being able to say, I'm going to go in the room and I don't really care what you do as long as Mm -hmm. it doesn't create, you know, blood or fire or anything like that, you know, I'm good. So really just taking time for myself, having compassion for myself when I don't, you know, maybe cut off the computer right when I should, or, you know, things like that, being okay with, and I'll be honest, full disclosure, I don't think I've ever felt a ton of shame over this, but, you know, sometimes like with the electronics, like the TV, Mm -hmm. sometimes it can get a bit much where I'm like, okay, I probably don't need to be been on the TV like every day this weekend, maybe we shouldn't, but sometimes it's like, I'm tired, you know, and being able to say like, I'm just going to let you watch those extra two shows. Right. Like, so really just, again, going back to, um, tapping in, reading my body, reading my body and, and, and centering that, allowing myself to center what I need as opposed in realizing like my needs matter. I think that's a huge thing mm-hmm. I talk about all the time. My needs matter. That's like a banner, um, yeah. you know, and honoring that and allowing myself to have the freedom and the capacity to do what I need for myself, recognizing that the more that I do that, not only am I showing up as a better mom for my kids, but I'm also modeling for them how to do the same. Absolutely. Absolutely. Oh my goodness. So much good stuff. Okay. So Dr. Lynetta, how can people work with you? How can they find you? How can they connect with you? All that stuff. Yes, yes, yes. So you can, I'm going to give you a link to a quiz that I have. Uh, I'm on all the little platforms, the, you know, Instagram and Facebook. I'm trying to get better at posting, I promise. (laughs) (laughs) But there is a quiz. It's called the Parenting Trigger Score Quiz. And it's a quiz that I created to help you figure out who you tend to become when you're triggered or stressed by your child. And then in the follow-up emails that I'll send you, it will guide you in terms of which of the paths you most need to focus on to help you move towards the parent that you truly want to be. And I give you a few gifts to help you do that. Gifts, not gifts. I mean, there are gifts in there too. (laughs) To help you do that. Without the (laughs) T. Exactly. (laughs) To help you do that. So please, 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 jump on that quiz. It really helps you tap into the main thing we've been talking about today, which is the importance of awareness, whether you're healing dramas, traumas, or stressors. um, It really does help you to gain some deeper awareness. I actually had somebody post to me the other day. They were like, that feeling you get when your whole life is mirrored back to you through a quiz. (laughs) Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Go take it. (laughs) Okay. So where can people go and get the quiz? Yes. So if you go to parentingtriggerscore.com, you can access it there. Awesome. And then people can connect with you on your web main website at drlwillis.com. Yes. Willis D-R-L as in ladybug, W-I-L-L-I-S.com. <laughs> nice. And then you're on social at Dr. L. Willis on all socials. Yes. Perfect. Okay. So I'm going to link everything up in the show notes. If people go to shamelessmom.com, click on the episode with Dr. Lynetta Willis, they can find everything right there. Oh my goodness. Thank you. Thank you so much for being here. Oh, I love the work that you're doing. It was so fun to be in this conversation with you and, um, not to make everyone jealous, but I'll see you in a few weeks in Las Vegas. I know. (laughs) 
Thank you, Dr. Lynetta. Thank you, Sarah. Thank you so much for joining me in the Shameless Mom Academy today. I really, really appreciate you being here and I hope you learned something new. As always, this conversation will be continued over in our free private Facebook group. You can join that group by going to shamelessmom.com forward slash Facebook to connect with other shameless moms just like you. Additionally, if this is your first time listening to the show, know that we are here every Monday and Wednesday with a brand new episode. So make sure you subscribe, go to whatever podcast app you use and subscribe to the show so you never miss an episode. You can do that directly if you go to shamelessmom.com forward slash review that will put you in Apple Podcasts where you can click on the subscribe button and you can also leave a review. If you scroll down a little bit, you can leave a five-star review. You can write a few sentences letting me know what you thought about the show. If you let me know how the show has impacted you in becoming a more shameless mom, you might be nominated to be shameless mom of the week. Also, please share this episode. My goal is to help more mamas be more shameless every damn day. So please do share this episode. You can take a screenshot of the episode on your phone and then share it out on social media. Tag me at the Shameless Mom Academy on Facebook or Instagram. I'm quick to reply and eager to send you Facebook love and love to be connected to all of you. So again, thank you for being here. I can't wait to be back here again with you in just a couple days. And until then, no matter what you do today, make sure you do it shamelessly. Are you overwhelmed by the things that get in the way of you doing what you want to do? Are you looking for ways to simplify life to better align with your values? Do you want to create space in your schedule so you have room for more of the good stuff? Play, joy, relationships, gratitude, and more? If you answered yes to any of these questions, I invite you to check out Edit Your Life, a podcast to help you edit the unnecessary from your life so you have more room to enjoy the awesome. Through episodes with me, Christine Coe, and a range of super smart, compassionate, and thoughtful guests, you'll come away with big picture insights and practical ways to declutter your home, schedule, and mental space without getting bogged down by perfection. I have always believed that small moments and actions matter tremendously. My goal is to help you find agency and space in your life through doable baby steps that will leave you feeling accomplished instead of overwhelmed. Check out Edit Your Life wherever you enjoy your podcasts.